0: Well, this year at Cornerstone Baptist Church, we are emphasizing the importance of keeping our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ as we run our race. Well, in light of this, we have focused on learning more about Jesus this year. Today we're going to start a brand new series called I Am. Now, during this series, we're going to look at the seven I am statements found in the book of John. Here in, or in John chapter six. Um Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 10, we find two of the I am statements. First, he said, I am the door of the sheep. And then second, he said, I am the good shepherd. In John chapter 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then finally, in John chapter 15, he said, I am the. The true vine. So, what better way to learn about the Lord Jesus than to look at what he says about himself, how he describes himself, to study the descriptions that he gave about his own character. And so, today we're going to start the series with the very first time Jesus said, I am, and it's when he said, I am the bread of life. John chapter 6 and verses 25 through 40 if you would join me in standing for the reading of that passage, John chapter number 6. John chapter number 6. John chapter 6 and verse number 25 says, And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me. Not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Then said therefore unto him, or they said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then What that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then said Jesus, then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, But my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Well, they said unto him, then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And we'll stop there, and we'll cover the other verses uh, throughout the message. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, we do thank you again for the opportunity to gather together today in your house uh, to hear your word. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would use your word today to speak to our hearts. And help us, Lord, to have ears to hear and uh, ears to understand what your word is, is telling us. And I pray, Lord, that we would... Uh, be good hearers, but then be good doers of what we hear. Help us, Lord, to apply the truth to our individual lives. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. So Jesus here says, I am the bread of life. In fact, it's not the only time he said, I am the bread of life in this passage. Uh, he says it actually multiple times. In uh, verse number 48, he said, I am that bread of life. In verse 51, he said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. And so he refers to himself as the bread of life. Now, I realize I'm in dangerous territory here. We're about 45 minutes from lunchtime. And I know as we talk about bread, it's going to create all of us to be hungry. And uh, so uh, I know I'm in dangerous territory here. Uh, now, the phrase, I am, uh, those two words are actually quite significant in Scripture. If you recall, this is the name that God gave when Moses was at the burning bush. Uh, remember when Moses asked, uh, as the Lord was calling him to deliver the uh, Israelites out of the bondage of Egypt, he said, well, uh, they're going to ask me who sent me, so uh, Lord, who, wh- what, what name should I say? Remember, it was God who simply said this, I am that I am. Do you remember that? And he continued on and said, uh, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. So God referred to himself there as the great I am, which means he is the self-existent one. He is the self-sufficient one. He is eternal and he is sovereign. Sovereign. So when Jesus says I am, what he was insinuating there was I am the self-sufficient one. I am the self-existent one. I am eternal. I am sovereign. I am God. So when they said or when he said uh, I am the bread of life, the hearers were like, "Oh, you just said the words I am. Those are sacred words. Only God says those." And he says, Exactly. Because I am God. I am God. Uh, And so when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's uh, referring all the way back to that burning bush and insinuating and explaining to all uh, all of his hearers that I am God. And he takes them also to the wilderness when God provided that manna in the wilderness for the nation of Israel. And he said, I am the bread of life. So this morning we're going to examine this statement, this first I am statement, when he said, uh, I am the bread of life. And and so what does this very first I am statement teach us about Jesus and ultimately what does that mean for my life and for yours? Well, first of all, this morning I want us to notice that uh, this I am statement teaches us that Jesus is the source of life. He is the source of life. In verse number 30, uh, it says this, uh, What signs showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Well, verily I say unto you, Jesus said, Moses gave you not that bread. They had the understanding that it was Moses who, uh, it, it was because of Moses that they had that manna in the wilderness. Uh, they were misunderstood because It wasn't Moses who provided that manna. Sure, uh, Moses talked to the Lord about their hunger and all that, but it wasn't Moses who provided the manna in the wilderness. It was God who provided the uh, manna in the wilderness, and that's what Jesus was correcting their their false thinking. He said, uh, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. They said, Well, Lord, please just give us his bread. And then he said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now, how many of you, by show of hands, like to eat bread? Would you raise your hands? How many of you should not eat bread? Raise your hands. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I know that uh, my wife and I were trying to do this little diet thing, and bread was kind of off the list of things that we were allowed to eat, you know. And uh, I'm like, we can't have bread. Like, if I get a hamburger, I have to get it with lettuce as the bun. Like, is that that's the worst thing ever? That that ceases then to be a burger, okay? And it ceases to be good food at that point. Uh, You need bread. Bread's important. Uh, I ran across a, a, a couple uh, interesting facts about bread uh, we're talking about the bread of life and so uh, I read this one sliced bread was only invented in 1928 so it's coming up on its 100th birthday sliced bread is and back then it was referred to believe it or not as the best thing since bagged bread uh, and I'm not joking that's that's the, that's the that's the truth Um you probably have heard the, uh, the term upper crust of society, you know, the upper echelon. Uh, the term upper crust comes from the 1600s. And back then when the bread was made in stone ovens, the bottoms of the loaves became super dirty from the ash and the soot. And if you were wealthy, you were able then to cut the bottom crust off and just eat the upper crust part of the bread, uh, but if you were poor, it was like I'll eat the whole thing. I don't really care, soot and all, man. Uh, so, but if you were the upper crust, well, you could afford to get rid of the lower crust. Uh, here's another one. On average, every American eats 53 pounds of bread a year. And in order for it to be an average, that means some have to do more and. Uh, So, okay, that's why it's so high right there. (laughs) This was an interesting fact. A rolled-up piece of white bread was once used to erase graphite before rubber erasers were invented. So if you really need to erase something from your pencil and you don't have an eraser, just find a piece of white bread, evidently. I haven't really tried it, but that's what it was. Uh, I guess they used to do that. An old wives' tale mentioned that eating the bread crust makes a person's hair curlier. Uh, so if you have, you have super straight hair and you want it to be super curly, uh, then eat the crust of the bread. I, I don't know if that's accurate or not. Um, I was wondering if you had a healthy diet of crust there, Michael, but anyway... Interesting facts, to say the least. Now, there is a, a difference between the usage and importance of bread in Bible days uh, compared to what it is in our modern day. In our day, for instance, uh, we, we certainly use bread. Uh, in fact, when we went to, uh, we were just talking about it in Sunday school, how uh, you know, the stores have been out of bread uh, during all this snowmageddon you know, that came through here and uh, wiped out all the shelves of bread. We went to Winco on Monday on our date night. That's a really romantic place to go on your date, by the way. Uh, But anyway, if you go there, we went there. The the bread aisle was completely uh, wiped out pretty much. I mean, there was a couple little things. I think the really expensive bread was still left. Uh, But then all the other stuff was gone. Uh, it's, 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 It's a... We we use it for sandwiches and toast and maybe even a nice side to go with the main meal. I mean, some places are actually known for their bread, and we talked about them in Sunday school a little bit. I think of Texas Roadhouse with their super yummy rolls, and I know I'm in dangerous territory here getting everybody hungry, and they're not going to pay attention to anything else. Just think about bread the entire service. Um, But uh, Texas Roadhouse, how many of you like some Texas Roadhouse rolls? And uh, how many get full on the rolls before the meal even comes? Yes, okay, I'm not alone. Thank you. Um, Olive Garden breadsticks. Anybody like those? Okay. Yes. Uh, and it depends on how fresh they are, right, and how warm and soft they are. Uh, what about Red Lobster with their famous cheddar biscuits? Come on. Do I get an amen on this one? Okay. And, uh, and then I was thinking about Lambert's in Missouri with their amazing Throat Rolls. How many of you like those? Okay. Okay. And uh, our kids get those, and then they, the meal comes, and they're like, I'm full. I'm like, you're eating that, man. That's an expensive meal. You're eating that. I don't care. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, uh, bread for us, though, is, is kind of a luxury, though, isn't it? It's not a necessity as much as it is a luxury. We really don't have to have it in order to survive uh, because we have our main courses. We have our steak and potatoes. We have our chicken. We have our sushi. Anybody like sushi in here? Okay, okay. Uh, I'm not a big raw fish eater. Um, uh, but we have, our, we have our pasta. We have a lot of other things that we eat rather than, rather than bread. It's, it's not like we have to have bread if we didn't have, like, I didn't cry because the bread aisle was, uh, was gone. I knew I would survive without bread. But you see, back in the Bible days, bread wasn't a luxury. It was their actual source of life. No bread, no life. Uh, Today, bread is a nicety, but back then it was an absolute necessity. And so Jesus, in his statement, when he said, I am the bread of life, he was saying, I am the source of life. No me, no life. See, back in those days, the hearers would understand that you're saying, basically, no air? When Jesus said, I am the air of life, uh, we, we need air. We absolutely understand that we need air to survive. And back in those days, people absolutely needed bread to survive. And when he said, I am the bread of life, he was saying and insinuating that I am the source of all life. Without Him, we have no life. Paul said in his sermon on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, For in Him we live and move and have our being. You see, He's not a nice side to the main course that just gets added to our plate. He is our everything. And yet even Christians sometimes view Him as a nice side instead of my very source of life. We kind of add them to the list of things that we have in our life. We've got auto insurance, home insurance. Uh, when we have Jesus in our life too, yeah, I've made that decision just like I made the decision to add the auto insurance to my, uh, to my life. No, he is our everything. Colossians chapter number three in verse four, Paul said this, when Christ who is Our life shall appear. Then shall you also appear with him in glory. He is our life. Philippians 1 and verse 21 says, For to me to live is Christ. He is my source of life. A couple thoughts about this. Uh, The fact that he is the source of life. First of all, he is the source of physical life. He is a source of physical life. The very fact that you're here is because of Him. He was involved in creation. John chapter 1, verse number 3 says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus was very involved with creation. He is our Creator. Colossians 1 and verse 16, talking about Christ, says, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him, including you, including me. You were created by Him. He is the source of physical life. He is also the source of eternal life. Here in our passage, we, we see that he's not just talking about the, the physical, he's talking more about the eternal, the everlasting. In verse number 40 of this passage, it says, And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have ever." Lasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 47, a very clear, concise verse that explains salvation. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Verse number 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will li- that I will give is my flesh, and I will which I will give for the life of the world. Verse fifty eight says, "This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live for ever. He is the source of eternal life." Remember the context of John chapter six. We didn't read the whole chapter, which we could have done, uh, but 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 for time's sake, it's a it's a lengthy chapter. It's uh, 71 verses. But the first part of John chapter 6 explains the very f- wonderful miracle that, by the way, all the gospel writers included in their in their record. And that was the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, he fed the 5,000 men plus women and children. So it was a, a, a lot of people that he was able to to, to feed here with five barley loaves of bread and two small fishes. And so the context of this is uh, they had received some physical food that, uh, boy, they enjoyed it, and they were filled. And, and, uh, but you know what? Eventually they got hungry again, didn't they? And uh, they said, evermore, give us this bread that, that satisfies my physical uh, body. And God says, no, I'm not talking about physical anymore. I'm talking about spiritual. And I'm talking about eternal life. I came down to give you life and life eternal. By the way, one thing I want to mention this morning is this. He is a source of eternal life and he is the only source of eternal life. There is no other source out there. Works cannot earn you eternal life. Religion cannot earn you eternal life. Being a member of Cornerstone Baptist Church cannot earn you eternal life. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can give you eternal life. Acts 4 and verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is Christ and Christ alone. A song that sometimes we sing, says this, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. We saw a bunch of snow this week, right? No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Christ. He's the only source of eternal life. So if you're here this morning and you don't have eternal life, you don't know for sure where you're going to go after your life here on earth is over, look nowhere else than Jesus Christ because nowhere else can offer you eternal life in heaven than a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. He's the only way. He is the source of eternal life. He is also the source of abundant life. John chapter 10 in verse 10, Jesus says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more, and what's the next word? Abundantly. He came to offer us not just life, but abundant life. Here's what the word abundantly means. And uh, these are kind of redundant a little bit, but, but just to give us an understanding uh, a little bit better. Abundantly means super abundant." That's not exactly King James, is it? (laughs) But but superabundant, and that's one word, superabundant. It means exceeding abundantly above. Albert Barnes uh, explained this a little further, and he said, They shall not merely have life, simple bare existence, but they shall have all those super-added things which are needful to make that life imminently blessed and happy. It would be vast mercy to keep men merely from, uh, from, from death and hell, but, but Jesus will give them eternal joy and peace to the society of the blessed. I think, God, we all desire that abundant life, right? We don't want to just exist. We, we want to have life and life to the full. And, boys, I think about that. I, I can't help but think of Brother Tom. He's been on my mind, of course, all week. I I believe he had an abundant life. Why? Because he he looked to the Lord Jesus for that. His relationship with Christ was real, and it was evident. And because of that, he had a full life, and and he was a blessing to so many and so loved by so many. I want to be loved by people, and I want to love people. Well, that's not going to happen if I'm looking other places rather than Christ. You see, Jesus is the source of life, physical life, eternal life, and abundant life. If we want that abundant life, and and teenagers, as you are growing up, kind of thinking about your future and what you want your life to be like, I imagine you want your life to be abundant. It's only going to be abundant if you walk within the will of God and in a relationship with Christ. So we see, first of all, in this statement, we see that Jesus is saying that he is a source of life. But secondly, we also see that Jesus is the sustainer of life, the bread of life. And as you go back to the, uh, <clears throat> uh, to the wilderness when God provided manna there, and what that did was it sustained the lives of the Israelites miraculously. I mean, this bread came out of nowhere. And do you remember what... Uh, What this manna, what manna means, it means, what is that? That's what manna means. Because when the Israelites saw this manna fall down from heaven and and cover the ground, they're like, what is that? What should we call it? What is that? Let's call it that. What is that? Or manna. And uh, so it's kind of a a humorous thing uh, that, uh, that, that, that manna is referred to. What is that? Uh, But now, uh, and we see in that particular miracle of God providing manna for all those uh, Israelites during that time, that uh, he sustained their lives as they went through the wilderness. He took care of them. He uh, watched out for them. He provided for them. As I think about that, I, I think also of how he sustained the life of Elijah. Uh, Remember, he was at the brook Cherith, and and the Lord took care of him. I mean, the days before Postmates and DoorDash, God used ravens to deliver his food to him. And Elijah never even had to tip them. It was great. Uh, God caused those ravens to bring him bread and flesh in the morning and the evening. So he got to eat twice a day. My my boys probably would have died of starvation having to only eat twice a day. Um, But Elijah was willing to do that. And when finally the brook dried up, the Lord led him to a poor widow woman at the place called Zarephath. And that sweet lady uh, was so poor, she had just enough ingredients to make one more cake. And she was planning to make it just for her and her son before they died because she was out of food. And uh, Elijah said, the Lord wants you to make me a cake and give it to me. And so that sweet lady ended up doing that. All the ingredients she had left, and then, you know the story, God miraculously provided continual sustenance for her and her son. After that, until the rain came, until she was able to grow some food. Look, God took care of those in the past, and God promises to be the bread of life for you and I, and to sustain our life as well. Colossians 1 and verse 17 says, He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. God is taking care of you right now and holding your body together. And He's making all of it work the way it should. God will sustain you spiritually, and He will also sustain you spiritually. God will take care of you if you would... I'm going to ask you to do something and reach down in front of you and grab a hymnal. Grab a hymnal. Turn to song 579. We're not going to sing it, but I want you to see the words of this song. I think it'll do us good to see it. This song is titled, God Will Take Care of You. The first stanza goes, be not dismayed, whate'er be tied. In other words, uh, don't, don't fret, don't worry, no matter what comes into your life. Because God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. Uh, stanza two, uh, through days of toil, when heart doth fail, God will take care of you. When dangers fierce your path assail, God will take care of you. Oh, there's a dangerous virus out there, don't you know? When dangers fierce your path assail, God will take care of you. Stanza three: All you may need, He will provide. God will take care of you. Nothing you ask will be denied. God will take care of you. No matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Lean weary one upon his breast. God will take care of you. Through every day, the chorus says, or all the way, he will take care of you. God will take care of you. Say, well, God didn't take care of Tom, did he? God did too take care of Tom. He ushered him into his presence. Can't think of a better way that God could have taken care of him. God will take care of you too. So don't fret. Don't fear. Instead of living in fear, instead choose to live by faith in the one who said, I am the bread of life. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to sustain you. As you go through the uh, mountaintops and the valleys, I'm going to take care of you. I am the bread of life. Matthew 6 and verse number 30. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Sometimes we panic in our lives, and I'm saying we because I include myself in this too. Sometimes we panic over the littlest, dinkiest stuff. And God says, I've got this. I'm well capable of taking care of you. So please stop worrying and start trusting me. Stop panicking. Instead, choose to place your faith in the one who said, I am the bread of life. So, this statement, I am the bread of life, shows us that He is our source of life. It shows us that He is the sustainer of life, but it also shows us that Jesus gives true satisfaction in life. True satisfaction in life. Verse 35 of John chapter 6 says, I am the bread of life, and he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me, shall never thirst. This doesn't mean that physically you get saved and you're never going to be physically hungry again because we'd all be in trouble right now, right? Because <laughs> we're all hungry. We've been talking about bread all service. It doesn't mean that you're never going to be thirsty again, physically speaking, but it does mean that that, that spiritual hunger, that spiritual thirst that we all had the moment we were born would be quenched would be satisfied in a relationship with Christ. People, though, unfortunately, seek satisfaction in other places. They think that pleasure is going to give them true satisfaction. They look to power. If I could just be the CEO of my company, if I could just have power, if I could just be in government and be able to govern people and have this power, then I'll be happy. If I could just be popular, then, then, then I'll be happy. If I could just have so many different uh, followers on my Instagram or, or people would like my posts more, then I would be happy. Or if I could just accumulate more. And get more wealth and more toys and possessions. Then, then I'll be happy. In 1965, Keith Richards and Mick Jagger of Rolling Stones wrote a song that says, entitled, I Can't Get No... Bunch of Heathens, you know that song? (laughs) I set you up, I set you up. But you know they're right. Right? In that situation, you can't get any satisfaction in pleasure. You can't get any satisfaction in power, popularity, or possessions. You chase it all you want. It's never going to bring real, true satisfaction. Solomon agreed. No man in history had more pleasure, more power, more possessions, and yet by his own admission said that it was all vanity and empty. The more he chased these things, the less satisfied he became. Many people live their lives with a if-only mentality. If only I had a better job, then I'd be happy. If only I had more money, then I'd be... If only my team won the championship. Uh, I've shared this before, but I am a Cubs fan, Chicago Cubs fan. And since I uh, can remember, we are... The Cubs have always been known as the lovable losers. Until 2016... Oh, yeah. We became the wonderful winners, my friend. And uh, we won the world championship. And you know what? Were we all satisfied with just one championship? Did we say, okay, we finally won after 108 years. The 108-year drought is over. We are now winners. We can just put up the gloves, put up the hats, the cleats. We're done. No, you know what happened next year? Spring training happened again. Cubs showed up. And you know what's happening this week? Spring training and preseason over in Arizona. And the Cubs are trying to get another championship because you guess what? One is not enough. We need to keep winning championships. And as a Cubs fan, I do want them to win another championship. But but look, that's that's the thing with this world is that one is not enough. But you know with Christ... One is enough. He completely satisfies. Remember what Jesus said in uh, Luke chapter 12 and verse 15? Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. A lot of times in our world, the world system works as he who has most wins. That that. That's not the way it works in God's kingdom, though. Um, The abundance of the things, that does not mean that you have a great life. I don't know that Brother Tom had a lot of material goods. But you know what? He had a great life. And it's because he understood this concept that Jesus can give true satisfaction. Psychiatrist Paul D. Meyer writes this. He said, I have had millionaire businessmen come to my office and tell me they have big houses, yachts, condominiums, nice children, a beautiful mistress, an unsuspecting wife, secure corporate positions, and suicidal tendencies. They have everything this world has to offer except one thing, inner peace and joy. And and so he said, they come to my office as a last resort, begging me to help them conquer the urge to kill themselves. This morning I read an article about Bobby Driscoll. You may not know his name, but you'll be familiar with what he did. He famously voiced the title role in Disney's 1953 animated film, Peter Pan. He was Peter Pan's voice. Do you know what happened to, Peter, uh, to Bobby Driscoll? You would think that he had it all. He had fame and fortune. Uh, at 16 years old, he uh, voiced the voice of Peter Pan. Tragically, unfortunately, he died at the young age of 31. He died of the hardening of the arteries, a common side effect of long-time heroin usage. And when his body was found, there were beer bottles and religious handouts by his side. Sadly, Driscoll's remains were unclaimed, and he was eventually buried in a mass unmarked grave on Hart Island alongside other identified bodies. He had it all you would think fame, notoriety, fortune. See what are people missing? Simply put, they're missing the bread of life that gives true satisfaction. Because only in Christ can we really experience true joy and peace. This world cannot bring us. John 15:11. Jesus said, "These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full." This world cannot produce full joy in our lives. Try as you might, you're going to fail. Solomon thought he was going to find it in all these things, and he realized it was all vain and empty. Psalm sixteen, eleven: "Thou wilt show me the path of life; in thy presence, O Lord, is fullness of." Joy, at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. John 16, Jesus says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. Oh, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We can have peace, true peace, even though the world around us is chaos, we can have peace in a relationship with Christ and Christ alone. At the age of 23, a man by the name of George Beverly Shea, a great singer with a ton of potential, had a difficult decision to make. You see, He could have accepted a job offer in a secular singing position in New York City with a huge salary and wide respect. Or he could continue singing in churches and for Christian radio programs. While sitting at the family piano one early Sunday morning, he started to prepare a special hymn for that Sunday service. On the piano, he found a poem by Mrs. Ray F. Miller, and he immediately began to compose the music for the poem and used that song that morning in his father's church service. He also used those words to direct his life and has shared his song with audiences around the world. What were the words of this song? The words that we sang a few minutes ago. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. Though I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. Oh, I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. Why? Because of that third stanza that we sang a little bit ago. Because he's fairer than lilies of rarest bloom. Because he's sweeter than honey from out of the comb. He's all that my hungering spirit needs. And so I'd rather have Jesus and let him lead. Than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in Sid's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus in anything this world affords today. So, friend... Stop looking in all the wrong places for satisfaction. There's only one who can grant you true peace, true joy, and true satisfaction, and that is Jesus Christ, the bread of life. So this morning as we consider Jesus as the bread of life, where or who are you looking to for eternal life? There's only one source of eternal life, and that's Jesus Christ, the bread of life. Christian friend, where is your dependence for your needs? There's only one sustainer of life, and that's Jesus Christ, the bread of life. Where are you looking for true satisfaction in this life? There's only one who can give true satisfaction in life, and that's Jesus Christ who said, I am the bread of life. Let's stop looking elsewhere. He's made it very clear. I am the bread of life. Why don't we come to him, believe what he says about himself, and we'll stop worrying, and we'll stop chasing things that don't satisfy. Let's come to the one who said, I am the bread of life. Let's